More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. We're talking about this really complicated relationship between African Americans and capitalism, where we see how that system is inherently racist, but then we still love and support black businesses, and a lot of black folks have dreams of entrepreneurship, but that's capitalism. Just because we are black business owners does not mean that we aren't still maintaining systems of inequality in it, because you ain't never going to pay your employees what you make as a business owner, right? So there is going to be income inequality inherent in any capitalist endeavor. Now, you can be fair to your employees. You can pay them decent wages. You can give them a little couple few benefits, give them a little time off, give them a little, little dental insurance. Carrie, you went to the dentist today. How your teeth yep. is? They all right? Yep. They pull them out? You got cavities? Nope. All right, now. You got you get braces? Nope. I am thinking about Invisalign, though. I might do that. Yeah, they told me because your teeth shift as you get old. I didn't know that. Yeah. My teeth have been feeling weird. She said it's because you're getting a little older. Oh, sister, they just getting the started. They just starting to shift. Now, I'm my whole like jaw starting to move. And so they told me Invisalign's for my bottoms. I don't need them for the tops because my bottom teeth are starting to get lazy. Them hoes starting to lay down. You know what I mean? They lay, They're getting lazy, you see. And they quoted me just for my bottom row. $4,000 that well, them hoes is going to have to stay lazy then. I mean, I dental insurance, I got Blue Cross Blue Shield dental insurance, but it only covers, it, it never covers everything. Like I get my cleanings, I think, are cheap, like like x-rays and stuff is cheap. But like if I need dental work, like work, they give me like 50% off or something, 75% off on certain things. It, yeah, it's not 100% covered. Now I could pay $200 a month for dental insurance, but mm, nah, nobody's doing all that. But my teeth are starting to shift, you see, the bottom ones. I'm just going to watch them closely. If they shift too, like y'all can't tell, but I can start to see it in pictures now. You know what I do? I do have spaces in my teeth, but it actually has allowed for my wisdom teeth to not crowd my other teeth. So they have shifted in a way that has allowed my, I got all four of my wisdom teeth. Which is very rare, I come to find out. But I because I have sp- no, no, no. You don't take your wisdom teeth out if they don't bother you. I got to get back there and brush them real good though, because you got you forget about them because they weigh in the back. I brush them real good. They're fine though. And a lot of dentists are shocked. Like, oh, oh, still have your wisdom teeth, do you? And I try to answer them, but I can't because my oh yeah, you got your wisdom teeth. <laughs> Always at work says Wall Street is literally named for the street with the wall where they would line up slaves for auction. And it's still where we buy, sell and trade commodities. One hundred percent. I think there's even a plaque somewhere on Wall Street that says like, oh, yeah, by the way. This is where the slaves were bought and sold. But like that's a part of 
like we as black people have to be able to know and understand the history of this country without getting like I understand the emotional part of it, but like there's also like how do I even explain this to where y'all don't think I'm insensitive? We are the absolute foundation of this nation, our bodies, our labor, like we were money, we were currency, we were wealth. And I think we still have that, but now we have more control over it because of policy and legislation that realizes our humanity. Like that's, I hate to say it beautiful, but it is a, it's a poetic kind of justice that we went from being the capital to the capitalist. And you know what a president of the United States is? They are someone above all else that looks out for the economic interests of the United States. They are the CEO of a profit addicted nation. They are the supreme capitalist. The reason why we don't like Russia and the Soviet, it was not the Soviet Union anymore, but the reason why we don't like them is we can't really trade with them. So we would rather blow them off the map and replace them. This is back into the communist days. We would rather blow them off the map and then replace them with a government that's much more sympathetic to American economic interests because we must be rich. America must be the wealthiest country. The reason why this nation was even founded, it was founded to be a wealth-producing colony. The cotton, the sugar cane, the tobacco, and the rice, and the slaves. It was founded to produce wealth. So president of the United States and our federal system is the king, or maybe one day, queen capitalist. And then when you look at Barack Obama from a different perspective, because 150 years ago, 160 years ago, Barack Obama would have been on an auction block. But he went from what would have been him being capital to being the king capitalist in a capitalist nation. That is the poetic justice. Rodney says, Rodney sent me a picture. Get free at home COVID-19 test this winter. Every U.S. household is eligible to order free at home COVID-19 tests. And he sent me a little screenshot. Earlier, I was talking about how the COVID-19 pandemic was an experiment in free healthcare. So I don't know how much these COVID tests are to manufacturers. Whoever manufactures them, they're just sending their invoice to the federal government because if you want to request a COVID test, it's free. We don't have to pay for them, right? But imagine if whatever that COVID test costs and you get four of them for free, what if they cost $97? What if they cost $197? The government is paying the manufacturing company to make the COVID test and then they ship them to you for free. But what if your insulin costs $110 where the government has money to pay for our free COVID tests? We could also use those same resources. So once COVID is gone and eradicated, which who knows if it ever will be the money that we had allocated to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has been trillions of dollars could go and supplement Americans healthcare or we could do it like on an income scale. So if you make less than $125,000 a year, the government will subsidize your health care even better than they do with the Affordable Care Act, where you only pay 10 bucks a month. The government pays the rest. Because right now the COVID tests are free. The vaccines were free. The boosters were free. The PPE is free. The government is paying for that. They're paying, with it, paying for it with our money. But here's the thing. That's a benefit. This is about as far as I go down socialism when it comes to protecting the health and welfare of a nation. You got to invest in schools. Just like public high schools are free, public colleges can be free, too. That's what people have been saying all along. Y'all don't pay tuition for a damn public high school. 
it's subsidized by the government because you have a stronger workforce if you have an educated workforce. Now, everybody doesn't have to go to a four-year school. You want to go to a trade school, go to a tech school. That's subsidized. That's paid for. We have the money to do that because that's an investment because if you have um, a degree and when you're specialized in something, you're probably going to have a job that's going to pay you a decent amount of money because you're a specialist in it, right? You got a level of education in it. You're going to make money, and the money that you make is going to be taxed. So the government is getting their money back by investing in your education. It's so simple. People with a four-year degree pay $400,000 more in taxes than resources than, that they use. People who do not have an advanced degree use more tax money than they're actually paying in because their incomes are going to be lower. It's just real simple stuff. This is why I could totally be president for like a week until like there was a riot or something, until there's like a war somewhere I'd have to get American troops involved in. But I could totally be president for like a week, not longer because I would not like it. I'd have to talk to too many foreign leaders on the phone too often. Chadwick, we don't like what you're doing. We don't like you. Shut up. Shut up. I don't like your country. No way. Shut your mouth. Don't talk to me like that. I'm the chancellor of Luxembourg where Tom Barrett is the ambassador. Shout out to Tom Barrett wherever he is. Francis says the socialists running for office or in office in the U.S. are overwhelmingly democratic socialists. That's not many that want a dictatorship like Cuba. But you know that's how it starts. What happens is political parties begin to polarize. Right. So it starts as democratic socialists like, no, we just want like free health care and free college. But then it turns into, well, now we want to make sure the businesses can't make a certain amount of money, want to limit their profit. Then it turns into, well, we can tax them at probably 90 percent like we used to back in the 1950s. Then it turns into, well, we have to maintain these systems of taxing people heavily and free college and all sorts of free health care. Well, then we need to elect a president that's also going to have much more dominant control over private resources and over private wealth. And then what happens, it begins to spiral out of control. Here's a perfect example. Karl Marx, who essentially is the inventor of the understanding, at least, of modern communism, which kind of morphed into socialism. Right? Socialism can be OK if it takes care of social welfare, but you still have to allow for entrepreneurship and people to be enterprising because the government cannot innovate like the profit motive motivates people to innovate. If Elon Musk was being paid by the federal government to make electric cars, they would not be as groundbreaking as they are because he is motivated by profit. Like there's a huge difference and we can see that. Countries that have their governments controlling all the means of production, all the land, all the labor and all the capital, there's no incentive to innovate. If I want to make $50,000, no matter what the hell I do, that's one thing. But if I come up with an idea, a new idea, a brilliant idea that I can then sell to people, I might be rewarded with billions. It's that motivation that drives a lot of our innovation. So profit motive is very, very important. But if you read Das Kapital and he says, look, every 150 years is going to be a revolution because those that have the power, those that own all the means of production are going to get so powerful that it's going to cause a revolution amongst the laborers. Every 150 years, that's supposed to happen. You have a proletariat, you have a bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie are the rich people that own everything. The proletariat are the working class that don't own anything. They're always going to be in conflict, right? So what we did is we mitigated that system. Because in even communism, there's always going to be a damn revolution. But we can't have revolutions in this country because what happens if you have a revolution in America? You form a new country. So we had to mitigate that from happening. And capitalism just made more sense. 
Right? Okay, let's talk. Oh, Lord have mercy. Winky. Yeah, good, good, good early afternoon. You know, I, this is a very intriguing conversation that you're having this morning. Uh, but I, I want to, you know, most black people are capitalists. Yes. All you got to do is go up and down the street and look at all the barber shops. And we used to have a lot of corner stores and gas stations until other ethnic groups were propped up to come in and um, remove us out of the way because, uh, you know, there's reasons. Um, there's reasons that, uh, that 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 one could look at. Uh, the government feeling like they can't trust us because the black man feels that uh, the government owes, which I think they do. However, uh, propping up other organizations and other ethnic groups to come in and to dominate our communities. So most black people are capitalists. And if slavery was still a choice today, how many blacks would actually own slaves today? Because there was black slavers back then. A guy could buy himself into freedom, and you know what he did. He bought himself a couple a couple slaves if he had if he had any kind of land or anything like that. You know, the, a dream for a lot of black people were to own their own slaves. You know, and I'm not I'm not talking uh, to talk down uh, or to become a uh, 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 some type of sellout Negro. It's just what it is. Is what it is. How many folk would actually uh, have slaves today working? Uh, we got we got workers right now, employees uh, in the streets. We call them workers, uh, whether they they they, they holding a bag and, and working a bag, or or they they got a hammer in their hand or whatever. You know, these are the, the, these are workers, and except that now they're filing a tax return or a ten ninety nine or W nine or something, then they're called employees, or you can put them in the place of an employee uh, if if you file some kind of tax for them. But if not, we use the word worker in the urban area. So my my challenge to you is, would you have a slave today if they were available? A slave like I own a human being outright? They have no rights. They have no humanity. I control every facet of their life. No, it's too much responsibility. But what I would do is own a business and pay people less than I pay myself. That's kind of an economic slavery. Capitalist. That, 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 well, that's just capitalist right now. I mean, like you said earlier in your conversation, you ain't going to pay them what you pay. Right. Look, here's a guy that's that, that's, here's a guy that works at McDonald's, okay? I worked at McDonald's for years. And check this out. As a kid coming up, my uncle owned a couple of them, and we all, that was a little training ground for us. Now, check this here out. Here, a person, we, I could sit in a drive through and uh, as a matter of fact, they didn't even have drive throughs then. But if I was working the counter and uh, I count the money at the end of the day and I said, man, McDonald's took in uh, $14,000 just on my shift. And um, I'm only getting paid $1.90 an hour here. Uh, hey, this ain't too cool now because even if you, you even if you could give $1.90 eight-hour shifts, to, to, to uh, seven or eight employees here, this dude ain't even spent out a good hundred bucks yet. I mean, a good, I mean, sorry about that, a good uh, uh, 500 bucks. So, you know, we have to look at that. And then people start to complain, man, they sell the hamburger for 55 cents. You know, I remember you know, fifty-five cent, and and we're only making uh, we only making a dollar ninety an hour. So, listen, man, it's always been that way. What the elites want to do is they want to break the middle class, 
and how you break the middle class is by allowing the middle class to depend on feed or, feed or grain at the gate. And they'll come to the gate and they'll get that grain every every time there's a stimulus package, every time there's some new program. Out. I've never seen these many programs out all on the Internet, everywhere you go, free, free, free. Because once you can get the middle class to depending on that, then he'll stay at home. He won't even want to work no more. Then it crashes. Then me and you are in trouble. Then we can almost float this thing into a cashless society. And at that point, Sherwin, me and your fun is over, man. Once it becomes cashless, it's over, man, because everything becomes a recorded bank transaction. It's no more private tender, okay? That bank bill that you hold in your pocket now is for private use. They want to get rid of that because then they can record that. They can better control the people. So I think capitalism is a great thing. And most black people are capitalism. I mean, are capitalists, even all the way down to the street drug dealer, all the way down to the prostitute man, all the way down. Well, to everybody the likes to make man. a profit. You got to make a profit to be able to survive. And everybody wants to become wealthy or at least financially independent. I agree. But when you talk about all so these programs so, so. to give people money and give people all these resources, that, that's exactly what reparations would do. It would take away our ability to innovate. We would just get a bunch of free money, get everything paid for on our behalf, just get a bunch of money, and then that would be the end of our innovation, in well, my it opinion. Depends on how the repara- it, it depends on how the reparation was paid out. How if most paid black out people lump, want reparations with no compromise is a fat check, a lump sum of money, so we can all go quit our jobs and spend that money until we're broke and then have no, to go no, back no, to the would, same you know white folks happen. to ask for our jobs back. You know what? And I agree with you, but guess I agree with you, but guess what? It would also create hammer havoc, man, in the community. Because once your bankroll start getting low, you looking at little dude's bankroll or this lady's bankroll. You looking at now how you can grab on to somebody else's bankroll. It would create havoc. You think so? Man, I'm telling you, if you paid out in the lump of time, I know it would, man. Right. Exactly, man. Look here. You can have, you can have $150,000, $200,000, and you get down to about $50,000. Now you start getting nervous right then. Like, oh, man, I got to come back up. Okay. I got to come up. You understand? Somebody got to be short, or I got to do something. Here's what so I would do. Let me tell you what I do, then I got to take a break. So y'all get your reparations. Okay, you cool. get your little $300,000 a piece. Everybody got $300,000. Everybody got 300000 I would open up a chicken and watermelon restaurant. I'd take all your money with my chicken and watermelon. Somebody got to be an entrepreneur. If I know well, my entire good. community's got the same amount of money, I'm going to sell you something so I can get your 300000 your 300000 your 300000 That's how you innovate well, capitalism. If I know that well, everybody in the know, community you do has on, money. On, on watermelon and chicken. Watermelon but, and chicken uh, are delicious, sir. You want to do something sir. like that, get your escort business or something legally. And, uh, oh, you want me to get in a pimp? male strip club. Oh, you get want me to get in a pimp? No, no, no. Get a male strip club, man. The women's ain't got nowhere to go. Every time my buddy them through a party, they have male strippers. Standing room only. You can't even get in. Women ain't got nowhere to go. Women are broke, Meech. I'm sorry, Winky. They don't pay money to see Ding-A-Ling. Women going to a strip are club with $3. Man, you got to be kidding me. I ain't kidding man, you. We the only ones that spend money in a shake joint. Place. They don't spend money in a shake man, joint like that. No, no, no. Put that money in a male entertainment club, buddy, and you'll become wealthy within the first nine months, brother. And then you don't have a lot of drama either. I got to go. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Cool. I'll start a, a male review. Sherwin's dongs and thongs, right? It'll just be all male strippers. You know who the biggest customers would be? It wouldn't be women. Women ain't going out. Of, women would, like, Go and buy one drink. They wouldn't really tip the dancers because women don't got to pay to see 
ding-a-ling. That'd be insane. But you know who the customers would be? Gay men. Gay men will pay. They'll pay. All the gays will just, they'll make it rain. They'll make it mist. They'll make it drizzle. But I don't want to, I don't know. I'd have to hire a bunch of male dancers. Like, I wouldn't want to be in the audition. Because you got to know, you got to hire good talent. Like, hi, um, is this where I play for Sherwin's uh, Thongs and Dongs? I'm like, yup. Okay, you Sherwin? Like, yeah. All right, I'm here for my audition. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Okay, that's enough. I've seen enough. Just dong, just flying all up. And I got to be like, oh, I'm going to hire you. I like the way that looked. Thank you, Zach. Zach is in here. The truth for sure, when Hughes will be right back. It's the truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. we're having this conversation about male strip clubs um I mean it's capitalism I guess right I got so much stuff I want to say here so the reason why I'm talking about like housing and real estate because I mean it's it's all capitalist stuff but we're telling black folks to do this but at the same time black people are starting to see the inherent inequalities in capitalism because it produces income inequality and we can even produce income inequality as black entrepreneurs and black business owners, but it's really exacerbated like in the home buying process because we are buying a property from someone who has made their money and we are going into debt at the same time they are likely going into making a profit. And so that is what replicates the income inequality that we see because you're now on your probably third, maybe fourth generation of home ownership. And with every generation of home ownership, wealth begins to multiply. We are maybe in our second generation of home ownership here as African-Americans. And so that is part of the disadvantage. But the entire system, especially if th- this slice of capitalism, which is, is home ownership, there's so much inequality built into it. And there's a, there's a significant part of our history as black folks that's built upon home ownership access, including the real estate agents that still exist to this day. And I still believe that they're much more likely to funnel black people or show black people properties in certain areas. Let me also say this, because real estate is so much at the cornerstone of why we are disadvantaged. It is going to be a common topic on this show because we talk about the inequalities and the unfairness and discrimination. Let's talk about the heart of it in the capitalist system. So 8000 black owned businesses and homes were destroyed when they built I-43. Our community never recovered from that. We never recovered from that. Just like the South never recovered from the slaves being freed after the Civil War. Economically, if you have something, and our our homes and our businesses were our economic mainstays. When they built the freeway, they bulldozed our houses. We never recovered. Those houses weren't rebuilt somewhere else. They didn't say, hey, everybody, we're going to relocate you to Fox Point. We're going to build your house for you in Cudahy or St. Francis or Oconomowoc or Oak Creek. No, they were just destroyed. We never recovered. 
just like the South never recovered. When you have something that is the foundation of your wealth and your assets and it gets taken away in favor of progress, you don't recover from that. We never recover from it. All right. I got a bunch of stories on this. A black couple settled their lawsuit against a real estate company, which had estimated the pair's Northern California home to be worth nearly $500,000 less than when a white friend pretended to be its owner, the plaintiff said on Wednesday. This this case is huge because now we have precedent. I've been saying for a decade that our property is undervalued simply because of our race. That is inherently discriminatory. That is inherently against the law with all other factors being considered. Black property, property owned by a white person, same house, same architecture, same square footage. If you look in the city of Milwaukee, all the properties, especially um, north side and then some of the eastern Wauwatosa houses, all those houses, y'all, were built between like 1921 and 1930. Architecture is the same. Some have siding. Uh, some are brick, some are cream city brick, some Tudors, some bungalows, maybe seven or eight different styles of houses, but essentially all the layouts are the same. Everything is the same. My girlfriend lives three stoplights away from me in Wauwatosa. Okay. Houses were built in the exact same year. My house was built in 1927. Her house was built in 1927. Let me tell you, our bathroom tile is exactly the same. The layouts of our house, exactly the same. The living room, exactly the same. Her house is probably worth, no exaggeration here, $130,000 more than mine for no damn reason other than she lives there in the neighborhood it's in. Three stoplights away in Wauwatosa, same houses in Milwaukee, undervalued. Collectively, because that happens all over the country. We as black people, we own homes collectively now. $156 billion is what our property is devalued at for one reason and one reason only, because we are black. That's our reparations. That's all we have to do is say, you know what? We're going to base housing values on the square footage of the house, the architecture of the house. The repair the house is in, the amenities the house. Does it have new windows? Does it have a new roof? Does it have central air? Okay. This house in Milwaukee has all those things. It's got new roofs, got new windows, it's got central air. Okay. Three hundred thousand dollars. Same house in Wauwatosa. Okay, it's got new roofs, got new windows, it's got central air. Three hundred thousand dollars. Our equity instantaneously becomes the same as architecture that is the same as ours. We should not have these dramatic differences in home values based upon the race of the people. And they'll say, well, but the black neighborhood is run down and the schools are poor. Why is that dummy? Why? Why is that? Because our property is valued less. You nincompoop. Give us the same value of our property that they have out there and our schools will have all the money they need. You could have a whitefish bay duplicated in every single MPS school. Tanisha Tate Austin and Paul Austin sought to refinance their mortgage in the late in late 2020. So they bought brought rather Jeanette Miller and her firm Miller and Parati real estate appraisers who assessed the couple's Marin city home to be worth $995,000. The black couple believing their race played a role in the estimate then had a different appraiser look through the home but this time, the Austins erased any evidence of their racial identities inside their house, removing family photos and African-themed art, 
and had a white friend pose as the owner with photos of her own family, according to a statement by Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California, which backed the couple's lawsuit. That second appraisal made to the decoy white home owner several weeks later came in at $1.482 million. Let me be clear. Same house just changed the apparent owners of it. When the black family had their African themed art and pictures of their beautiful black family, the house was appraised at $995,000. You take out all the black art, you take away all the black, beautiful black family photos, have a white family in there, have them hang their art and their family photos. It comes in appraised at $1.4825 million. That is what they are doing to us. And I'm living it right now. I see property that's a stone's throw away, ladies and gentlemen, that is valued at more than what my house. Like why? I made my mortgage payments. My house is upkept. Got my little trim painted. I Sherwin got him a new furnace. Sherwin got a new fence in the backyard. Hell, I got two new wooden fences in the backyard. Damn fences cost me four thousand dollars. One of them just fell. It was old. It just fell down. I felt naked because I could see right into my neighbor's backyard. My whole fence just crumbled. Just fell down. Had to replace my fence. Keep my house up. I cut my grass. My property is undervalued because I live in Milwaukee and I'm black. That's it. That's the only reason why. That's taken away from my equity. That's taken away from my assets. That's taken away from money that I can, you know, borrow money against my, the property value and I can invest it. I can start business. I can do a whole bunch of other stuff. But no. Oh, no, I got another one here for you. Ooh, you're going to love this one right here because some of y'all don't believe old Sherwin. You're going to believe me today. I'm going to make you a believer. Okay. Where is it? Hold on. Where's the drop down? Menu? I'm finna get to it. Don't you worry about me. I got how many metro areas here? About 100 of them. 100 metro areas. I got Albany. I got Amarillo, Texas, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Texas, Boston, Cambridge, Cape Coral, Florida. I got metro areas all over the country. Chattanooga, Tennessee, Chicago, Naperville, Elgin, Illinois, Cincinnati, Ohio, Cleveland. Uh, I got all the things. Columbia, South Carolina, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Fort Worth. I got all the metros. Let me scroll down to the M's, see if I can find a Milwaukee metro. And what this is going to tell me, okay, and all the metro areas, the hundred so metro areas that they have listed how much black property is devalued in all the major metro areas in the country? This actually has a real number of how much black property is devalued just because the people that live in that house or in that neighborhood are black. It's a real dollar amount. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you African-Americans and white people and Asian people, whoever is listening, how much. Because here's what's crazy. We don't do this to Asian people. We don't do this to Hispanic neighborhoods. It's black neighborhoods specifically. There's a dollar amount in which they reduce our property value. Just like this case here in California, black family, same house, black family lives in the house, right? They live there appraised at 995,000. They remove their photos. They remove their artwork off the wall, have another appraiser come in and replace it with white family photos. And there's a white family there saying that they own the house. Comes in at one almost one point five million dollars. This is what they're doing to us. And there's actually a website, the Brookings Institution, that that tells us, how, "Hey, black people, this is how much money, how your property is devalued just because you're living there." Okay, Carrie, I'm taking a break. Calm down. The truth was Sherwin Hughes. Will be right back.
This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back. You guys ready for this? All right. So the Brookings Institution has gone to all the metro areas in the country because every metro area has got a black neighborhood because every neighborhood essentially started out segregated. And so they're looking at property in black, majority black neighborhoods. So the census tracts are majority black. Okay. And they're looking at the value of African-American property. Okay. They add it all up. They look at the value of white owned property in white neighborhoods because that's where the racial lines in this country are the strongest between the black and white neighborhoods where other ethnic and racial minorities, their neighborhoods are a little bit more hybrid. But black and white neighborhoods have existed in this country since, well, hell, the foundation of the nation, right? And so it's easy for them to say, okay, here's a black neighborhood. Like in Milwaukee, it's the north side. You got some census tracts in Milwaukee where I don't think any Caucasians live. You might have an Asian or two, but, like, there's no white people, right? Not a lot of census tracts. We got probably six or seven of them. Census tract is, is smaller than, like, an Aldermanic district. It's like a... St- geographic statistical area where we count people for the purposes of the census. I'm, I'm not getting into all that. Okay. Here we go. You ready? So this is the, here's the metro area. Let me give you the proper name. The Milwaukee, Waukesha, West Dallas, Wisconsin, metropolitan area. Here we go. Summary metrics. Median home value in majority black neighborhoods in Milwaukee, Waukesha, West Dallas, with the overwhelming majority of the black neighborhoods being in Milwaukee. But that's just the name of the statistical metropolitan area. Okay. Median home value in majority black neighborhoods is $88,180. So if you add up the values of all the black homes and you divide by the number of actual homes, you get an average, a median of $88,180. Here it comes. Estimated median home value in majority black neighborhoods in absence of racial devaluation. $124,264. Do you understand me? Do you hear me? Right now, the average of black owned property in Milwaukee is $88,180. If you take away how they devalue our property based on our race, our properties are worth $124,264 on average. That is $36,000 more per house on average, keeping in mind. Some black property will be average, will be $100,000 more valuable, some $50,000 more, more valuable. Average devaluation of homes in majority black neighborhoods. In the Milwaukee, Waukesha, West Dallas metro area is 34.3%. They devalue our houses by 34% just because we're black. And if you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, the second appraiser made to the decoy white homeowner several weeks later came in at $1,482,500. The couple claimed, quote, even decades after the Fair Housing Act of 1968, we still find evidence of housing discrimination fairly often. Fair housing advocates of Northern California supervising attorney Julia Howard Gibson told NBC News just yesterday. As creative a plan as this seemed to be, Howard Gibson said the ploy is well known 
a well-known one within African-American real estate circles. We have heard from a lot of black homeowners, and this is kind of a known thing, she said. We've been hearing that black homeowners have been doing this for years. They know how to take down their family photos and have a white friend stand in for them. But here's the thing. This is probably in a white neighborhood, too. That's the thing. I can see if it's in a black neighborhood where all of the comparable sales are just generally lower than the corresponding white neighborhood across the tracks. But you put a black family in a million dollar house in a white neighborhood. Just the fact that black people own it is devaluing that property. What is this from a million and one? Thirty three percent. Thirty percent. Even in a white neighbor, ain't that the craziest thing ever? That's where our reparations come from. If you just instantaneously value our property, what it's supposed to be valued anyway. Like where I live, ain't nobody going to believe a white person lives in my house. I mean, I think if you because it's not decorate. Well, I got some art on the wall. I probably couldn't take down. But if I had a white family stand in for me. If I'm selling my house or I'm showing my house. I wonder how much more money I could get for it. I'm curious about that. So I'd leave, right? I change all the stuff that shows any, like take down my family pictures and all that other stuff. Take all that down. Put up some white people pictures, some white people art. Have a white couple. Hi, welcome to, hey, how are you? Got some tater salad, got raisins on the side. Come on in, take a look at bedroom number one right here. And bedroom number two, here's my bathroom. Here, got upstairs, got a loft area. Got a little sitting area right here. It's where I keep my exercise equipment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got a little area over here. Okay, and all right, and the appraiser just writing stuff down. All right, this house is worth $319,000. All right. Then I kick the white people out, put all my black art back up, put all my family photos. I'm $319,000 of what would be appraised. This is just me doing hypotheticals here with the white family staging as if they own my property. And I come in playing some Hip-hop music. Faint smell of collard greens in the air. Hey, what up, Mr. Appraiser dude? Come on, give, bring it in. Give me a hug, brother. All right, yeah, come on. Okay, walk around here. Bedroom number one. Yeah, bedroom number two. That's where I get freaky at. Bathroom right here. Upstairs, got a little loft area with my workout equipment. Got a little room up here. Extra closet right here. Okay, I'm going to write this down. Okay, your property is worth $19.48. $19? That's what would happen. The truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 1017 FM will be back. $19. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Now, I do got some good news, okay? So I've got, I don't know, better than 100 or so metro areas here where black property is devalued. I think we're the, we have the worst disparity. No, Rochester, New York, black property is valued at 65% less. The average absolute price difference is $53,024 less than a black house is valued at. What's the biggest one in the country? That's got to be the biggest one in the country. Well, what's this one right here? 
Lynchburg, Virginia. Well, of course, called Lynchburg, Virginia. Black property is valued at 81% less than a comparable white home. The absolute price difference is 161000 So in Lynchburg, Virginia, if you're a black homeowner, your house is worth $161,000 less than the same house in a white neighborhood. But guess what? We got neighborhoods and metro areas where black property is valued more than white property. And one of them is Waco, Texas. The percentage difference in black neighborhoods is 4.6% higher in the black neighborhood. Wichita Falls, Texas, the percent difference is 16.4%. Black property is valued more. The absolute price difference there is $9,447. So the black houses are valued on average $9,447 more than the White House. And this comparison in the Brookings Institution is only comparing black and white. It's not Hispanic. It's not Asian. It's not Pacific Islander. It's not Native American. It's just the differences between black property and white property. Here's another one. Wichita, Kansas, the percentage difference is 3.8%. So black property is worth 3% more than white property. There's not many of these, but there's a few. But the biggest one is Sebastian Vero Beach metro area on the Atlantic side, Atlantic Ocean side of Florida. Y'all ready for this one? So in the handful of metro areas, where black property is worth more than white property, this one has the biggest price difference. In fact, this might be the biggest price difference even between white-owned property and black-owned property. In fact, the biggest, let me give you that example first. The biggest price difference that I see between Lynchburg, Virginia, black property is worth 81.2% less with an absolute price difference on average of $161,063. So black property is worth on average, each house now on average is worth $161,063 less than a comparable white property. But in the Sebastian Vero beach, Florida metro area, black property is worth $177,000 more on average with a price difference of 143.4%. So if you are a black person, in Sebastian Vero Beach metro area in Florida, which is on the Atlantic side, the eastern side of the state of Florida, in a black neighborhood, your house is worth $177,000 more than a white neighborhood. That is insane to me. We got it. Where's another? We got one here in on the panhandle of Florida. This is a small one, though. The Pensacola Ferry Pass Brent metro area. So Pensacola, Florida. So think panhandle just south of Alabama border. In black neighborhoods, houses are worth 3.1% more with an absolute price difference of $2,693 more in a black neighborhood versus a white neighborhood. Whereas Monroe, Louisiana, absolute price difference in the black neighborhood is $17,615 more than in the white neighborhood. And you got a few. Uh, here's one in Illinois. There's two in Illinois. Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Black property is worth $786 more than a white property. This all $786 with a price difference of 0.8%. But it's still more value um, than the white property. What's another one? What's this? Champagne or Decatur. No, that was Decatur, Illinois, where black property is worth less than a percent more, but more nonetheless than a white property. Like all this stuff is discriminatory. Like we should not be basing home values on the race of the people. Let me see if I can find out. What's this one here in uh, South Carolina? Here's a, a black neighborhood where the property is worth more in the black neighborhood than in the white neighborhood. It's 1.4% higher for the black community 
and the absolute price difference is $3,624 more on average. The black house, the black neighborhood homes are worth more than the white one. Very few in the Northeast. There's one in the Northeast, the Boston, Cambridge, Newton, Massachusetts, New Hampshire metro area. Absolute price difference between black properties and white properties. The black properties are worth $64,610 more or a 23.4% increase. It's still discriminatory, right? It shouldn't be based upon your race. So you probably have, I'll count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And some of these are marginal. Some of them are like less than 1%, eight tenths of a percent, 1.4% where the black properties are worth more. You got like 20 out of probably 115 metro areas where black property is worth more than white property. But the overwhelming, so 100 basically, white metro areas, the properties are worth more in the white neighborhoods and houses that are owned by white people than the black neighborhoods. All right. Um, 833-212-1017, Good Life says. Uh, hang on a second. Is this today? Uh, no. School is in session. Talking about my show today. Capitalism. I have all four of my wisdom teeth too, sure, when the shifting is real. All 32. Congratulations to you. And, of course, the name of my male strip club is Dong and Thong. And what else? Grant says. Grant says a lot. Don't worry, Grant. I'll read them all. Professor Hughes, because you have the ability to reach politicians like Senator Cory Booker. Was that yesterday? Nope. Because you have the ability to reach politicians like Senator Cory Booker and Vice President Kamala Harris, former Attorney General Eric Holder, I'm going to ask you to sincerely send my regards to Senator Mitch McConnell. Oh, that's right. He fell. Please let him know we are wishing him a speedy recovery after his recent fall. I'm sure everyone would calm down if they heard from him. Well, well I fell down. I was trying to read my Confederate Bible when I was all of a sudden I slipped and I fell. I broke my hip. Mr. McConnell, I don't think Barack Obama was ever a real president. 414-477 says, Bill 5415, great comedy, dongs and thongs. What is Bill 5415? And then you said it again yesterday. Bill 54, is that a bill number here in the state of Wisconsin? Um, who is this? Serena says, Sure, when I'm going to that dong show, if you're in it. Oh, Serena, you's a freak. I, Carrie asked me if I would ever be a stripper. No. One of my friends, childhood friends I grew up with in Brown Deer, we moved to Minneapolis when we was like 19 and had an apartment there. And he auditioned to be a male stripper. And he was. He's danced at male strip clubs. In Minneapolis, like their whole perspective on strip clubs is way different. Like the morality there is different than the morality here. So he actually danced at male strip clubs, right? Where it was all naked men, and then he thought it was going to be a majority of women he was going to be dancing for. It wasn't. It was gay men. Like, there were certain nights where it was all women or mostly women, but the biggest connoisseurs of naked male reviews are uh, gay men. So FYI, guys, if you're thinking about having a career change, if you want to be a male stripper, you're going to be shaking your dongs for dongs. The truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back for hour three.